Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brayman. With me is John Farragon. Hey, John. Hi, Mariana. Hope you're having a good day today. On our last episode, we dove into Rapid Start, what it is, who it's for, and the medical team involved in getting even just one person into care. From the sound of it and the way you described it, John, it really seems like it takes a village. Today, we're tackling the medication aspect. When someone begins rapid initiation of antiretroviral therapy, what are they actually taking? So John, can you tell us what providers should get patients started on for rapid ART? Yeah, sure, this is a great question. And, and um, you know, it does take a village. It's a lot of work to get, to get patients started on therapy as soon as possible. Um, but you know, while antiretroviral therapy can be complex, um, really the rapid start regimens are, are pretty much, for the most part, what's on the DHHS or the IES USA guidelines. So DHHS, that's the Department of Health and Human Services HIV guidelines. And then there's also the International AIDS Society um, uh, or International Antiviral Society USA guidelines, which have, have great, great guidance around this. Um, but mainly it's going to be a combination of, uh, of an integrase inhibitor, which is an integrase strand transfer inhibitor. That, that's an INSTE, an integrase inhibitor, um, plus uh, two reverse transcriptase inhibitors. And and in general, that's what's been recommended for, for, for many years for, for most patients. There are some, some new, um, some, uh, one, one new regimen only has one uh, nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor as part of the recommendations, but for the most time, for the most part, you're, you're going to be on one of these regimens that has an INSTE plus, plus two nukes. And as a reminder, in rapid ART, you know, treatment is, is started, uh, you know, at the first clinic visit, hopefully, um, and this is usually going to be before any of the results of any of the baseline uh, testing testing is in. So, you, so providers have to be aware that the, the theory behind rapid start is that you would actually start them before you have an HIV viral load, before you have a CD4 count. You won't have an HIV genotype, which looks at baseline or transmitted HIV resistance from people, from person to person. And you won't have um, some of our other um, safety labs like the HLA B5701, which is a, a test that's used to, um, to, to check to see if a bacavir can be used. And even the serum creatinine, a lot of this is not going to be available for, for patients. So we have to kind of think about that as we're, as we're selecting what regimen we want to have, want to have people on. Um, so the, the, the most important piece is that in, in anything that you pick on the guidelines now, um, the, AR, the ART regimen has to be potent and effective. And I think that's true of pretty much all the drugs that are on the guidelines now, that that would happen if patients actually take it and, and do well with it. Um, and even in a setting of high viral loads, and even in transmitted, um, in the setting of transmitted resistance, the regimen has to be, be effective there. So most of the regimens that we have available now in uh, being used for rapid start would, would, would meet those criteria. Um, while the regimen can be modified later if needed, uh, the regimen really has to be as simple as possible, um, easy to take, and have minimal risk of, of adverse, adverse events. And for me as a pharmacist, I also think about the drug interaction implications as well. For example, if somebody's on a significant number of medications, you really have to make sure that you take the time to look at the drug interaction apps that are out there, or even the DHHS guidelines to look and be sure that, that the drug interaction issues aren't, aren't going aren't gonna to be a problem. So examples, these are just some examples in alphabetical order, and it really depends on which guideline you're using. But, but in general, um, in alphabetical order, the, the, the first combination is Bictegravir, um, tenofovir al alafenamide plus emtricitabine. So Bictegravir is going to be the, the integrase um, tr strand transfer inhibitor. And then tenofovir alafenamide and emtricitabine are the two nukes that are, that are in the regimen. 
And the nice thing about this combination, it is a single tablet, one pill daily, daily regimen. Other ones that are out there that have been used in a lot of the rapid start studies, actually, um, dolutegavir plus tenofovir alafenamide and tricitabine. So again, dolutegavir is the integrase inhibitor. And then you have tenofovir alafenamide in combination with intracitabine for the two nukes. Or you can use the older version, which is tenofovir, tenofovir disoproxyl fumarate with intracitabine. Um, this regimen, the dolutegavir-based regimen, would be two tablets a day. And then finally, probably one of the ones that, that you could also use is raltegavir, again, plus, plus the TAF emtricitabine or TDF emtricitabine. This would be three tablets a day. So just to summarize, really, it's integrase plus two nukes for the, for the, for the most part for most of these rapid start, start regimens. Um, some of them are single tablet regimens. Some are two pills. Some are three pills. I think one of the things that I think that comes up a lot is that people say, well, does it matter if somebody's on one, two, or three pills? Well, those are things you have to talk with the patients. Clearly, you know, one, one pill um, is certainly less pills, but it doesn't mean that you have to pick a one pill once a day regimen. Uh, you know, uh, the, the one tablet, um, there's really not a lot of data that shows that one tablet is better than two or three, and it really makes no difference. As long as you're following the guidelines and making sure that you have uh, enough information for the patient to, to do rapid start safely and making sure that actually the, the regimen actually fits into the person's schedule is, is really, really in, important. Um, one other regimen I'll just mention quick is, um, is uh, this is, while this is not on the recommended for most on the current guidelines, like the other regimens that I've already talked about, um, there is some data on the use of, of a boosted protease inhibitor, which is darunavir, cobicistat, tenofovir, alafenamide, plus emtricitabine. So this is, this is darunavir, cobi, taf, FTC, taf, emtricitabine. So again, a combination of four, of four drugs. One of them is a booster, all in a single tablet regimen. And there's good data on using this, uh, this regimen in, ra in rapid start. Um, however, the, the downside with this, although it's a one tablet once a day regimen, the, there is a booster that cobi cystat is a booster and that can actually can lead to significant drug interactions, which we, we just have to make sure we're, we're aware of. So those are some of the regimens that I think most people would try to probably pick from if they're, if they're, doing, uh, if they're, if they're doing rapid start. Are there any medications that providers should avoid? Yeah, so, so this is a great, Great, great question to, to, to be to make sure we're covering. And again, just know that there's you know, there's a lot of options for antiretroviral therapy, but really there are some medications that really we shouldn't be using. And the first one is non-nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. So these are NNRTIs based regimens. And, and the reason why is because there's a high risk of transmitted resistance. So if you look back at studies, we can it, they 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 tell us that for initial treatment, um, when people come in to, to to care and they get a resistance test, oftentimes they're there, there is a chance that there may be NNRTI resistance. So drugs like efavirenz or nevirapine, some of the older ones, and even ropivirine or deravirine, these are some of the newer ones that patients might be on. We wouldn't want to use these in rapid start because there's a concern that some of the um, some that resistance from, uh, from one person to the next could be transmitted, and that person that you're treating on that day without the resistance test in front of you because you haven't ordered it yet, right, on that first day, NNRTIs would not be not be the best option. I kind of alluded to this already, but there's this HLA B5, B star 5701. This is an important test for a drug called Abacavir. So one of the one of the regimens that's on a lot of the guidelines is is um is uh abacavir with lamividine. So it's a INSTI, an integrase plus two nukes. But this one in particular that has, it contains abacavir, you wouldn't have that HLA B5701 test ahead of time. And that test is crucial for us to rule out the chances of somebody having um, 
having the abacavir hypersensitivity reaction. So you need that test ahead of time. So for starting on the same day, you're not going to be able to get that HLA-B5701 started you know, right away. So if you can get it within a week and you're going to start within a week, that's fine. But on the same day treatment, most people probably would use any abacavir or avoid using any abacavir-containing containing regimens. The next one, which is a little bit trickier, is because um, it, it, this regimen is now on a lot of the guidelines. It's, it's dolutegavir plus lamividine. So it's actually an integrase plus one nucleoside, and I alluded to this earlier. It's one of the two drug ARV regimens. But due to the risk of transmitted resistance to, to, to lamividine or even to some of the NNRTI, NNRTI components, there's a risk of virologic failures at high viral loads. So, so the risk for, for dolutegavir lamividine, um, although there's some data, you need to have baseline resistance tests. You need to have um, uh, hepatitis B uh, panel done, and you also need to make sure that um, viral loads that are that are over 500,000 were actually not included uh, in in the study. So those are some things that you'd have to have ahead of time. So starting a two drug regimen of dolutegavir lamivudine on the first day is probably not going to be not going to be an option for for most people. And so for many of you, maybe thinking that this is all kind of word soup, drug name soup. You know, it's very complex, right? But, but I encourage you to take a look uh, at the guidelines um, on Rapid Start. Um, and, and again, you know, we can certainly help you with training w within the ATC as well. But, but in the end, I think the most important piece is that um, uh, regimen chosen, it's going to be all dependent on a discussion really between the provider and, and the patient. But the three ones, the NNRTI-based regimens, abacavir-containing regimens, and I, and I just don't think, although there might be some data it's really two drug regimens I think are going to be difficult for rapid start because you don't have that baseline baseline information in front of you. But just know that the current, um, make sure that you always check concurrent medications uh, should also be considered, especially when you're using that COBE-SYSTAT-containing regimen, but just to make sure we're really checking for drug interactions ahead of time. But that's pretty much it for, for, for drug treatment and what we should and shouldn't be doing for rapid start, Mariana. Something that comes to mind as you're talking about all of this is insurance. What if a patient has no insurance on that first day? What are the options for them? Do they have any? Yeah, so this is a very good question to bring up because it's the most important part of, I think, of, of what we have to do for patients initially. Um, you know, one of the issues that, that's, you know, it's so important is to make sure that, um, you know, that we, we find this a lot, that sometimes their insurance isn't set up and, and they may not be able to get that prescription filled right away. So, what some what some places have to do is some of the some of the drug companies do have have starter packs or sampling programs or waste or vouchers to to help people get their initial supply, and that sometimes can help. Although that's really kind of just a, a kind of a um, how do I say it's kind of just a kind of a band aid for initial you know to to bridge them to get to the to get to get to their um, um, to get their insurance set up. So sometimes that helps. So some people have also done starter packs as well. Um, if they're using a regimen that doesn't have necessarily have all of the, um, uh, doesn't have um, uh, a voucher system or samples, you may potentially be able to do starter packs for some of the drugs too. Um, but again, um, I think the most important thing is that, is that while these, um, these, these starter packs or, or samples can, can actually help people start ART on the first day, um, it bypasses a lot of the, the, the delays in obtaining, obtaining ARVs, but we still have to make sure that the, um, uh, making sure that the insurance is activated, as soon as possible. Uh, I, I think the, the, if, if, the, if, the, if you have a good insurance navigator up front, sometimes you can actually get some of the insurance plans and get you turned on right away, and, and you might not even need to, need to, need to use this, the, the starter pack. So that's another piece of it too. So the quicker you get people uh, linked to their insurance, I think is really, really an important piece of, of, of doing rapid start. But you know, know that 
there are options to, to help people. Now, some places don't allow samples, right? So we're in an academic medical center. We don't have samples. So we actually have to make sure that the person's insurance is actually set up on that very first day. And we have navigators and we have people that kind of help us do that in our clinic and help them get, get linked up to care and linked up to our pharmacy, our pharmacy here at Albany Med. So is rapid ART as simple as just starting patients on the proper medications? What else do providers need to know about a patient's ART process? Yeah, so, so patients who are started on ART you know, at that first clinic visit, they're going to need additional education and extra support, especially in the days and, and weeks that initially follow. Uh, because they've been recently diagnosed with HIV and started on treatment um, with little or no advanced preparation, they're going to need uh, education. They're going to need information about adherence. They're going to need counseling about HIV prevention uh, and, and, and HIV transmission, uh, and also encourage, uh, you know, encouragement about living healthy lifestyles. You know, we talked a little bit of in the last episode about, about, about some of this, you know, some of the support systems that need to be in place. But, but most of the guidelines in Rapid Start recommend scheduling a phone check-in or some kind of a check-in with a social worker, nurse, or even a, even a pharmacist within a couple of days of, of starting the intake appointment. And, and I think clinic follow-ups really should be done within, within the first couple of weeks to, to make sure, again, you're, you're, you're reconnecting with the patient. They're coming back to the clinic. They're, they're coming back to see everybody on the team. And they're making sure that they're that they're staying linked and staying um, staying on their antiretroviral therapy. After that, subsequent visits probably maybe within a month uh, of starting ART just to make sure that the labs are okay. And then probably uh, you may actually probably um, at least monthly thereafter until the HIV viral load is suppressed, and then you know that the patient's well engaged. And then from there you can kind of follow follow the normal schedule. But I think that that close follow up in those first couple of first few few days first few weeks, and even those first couple of months before the person gets undetectable, when they first start therapy, I think it's really, really important to make sure they're continue to be engaged in, in HIV care. Follow-up appointments are really important too. We really should be, clinicians should be making sure that they review all the baseline labs that they did with the patient. And again, the DHHS guidelines and IASUSA guidelines really have great guidance on what labs to be done at, at baseline, looking for adherence, screening for side effects, counseling and education. All this is really really important. The most important crucial piece though, I think for me in my, in my mind when I think about HIV therapy is making sure that the HIV genotype, which is a, a kind of a picture of that patient's um, uh, resistance that you would have drawn hopefully on the first appointment is reviewed so to make sure that whether or not that ART regimen that you kind of picked without that resistance test, you know, on the first day is still going to be appropriate for, for, for those patients. And sometimes it's very rare, but there are very rare cases where you may actually have to change the regimen based on what you pick because of what comes across on the resistance test. So I'm just making sure we're, we're aware of, of some of those other, uh, of some of those other issues around, around, um, uh, around resistance. But in the end, I think we really, really are hoping that rapid initiation will become a standard practice. And I think it's good. We're getting there in a lot of places. It's really, uh, it's really something that can make a difference. I think in getting people linked and retained to care. I think there's broader implications for public health as well, making sure that people stay undetectable, get undetectable and stay undetectable and hopefully won't transmit the virus to other people. Um, and, and more importantly, as it relates to what we do, um, the, the NICA ATC, other ATCs across the country, we can help you do this. And, and we're prepared to help you learn about the strategy. Um, we're, we're prepared to uh, provide training around the strategy and also uh, help you to understand which medications to use, some of the clinic strategies that work. Uh, and, and we certainly have a, a good sense of, of um, of what it takes to have a successful strategy and making sure you're following, following up appropriately with, with the patients. You can always contact us for help, help for this. So 
so really our pillars, right? It's, it's a main piece of one of our pillars of, of ending the epidemic and it's treating rapidly. It's one of our main goals of the, of the four pillars of, of our, of our end the epidemic plan. And these protocols will help us do that. So if you aren't doing this already, really reach out to us and we, we can help you implement this in your clinic and we can help you figure out which medications you think you should be using up front uh, for these patients and really, really help you implement this strategy, which I think is really going to make a big difference um, from a public health perspective. It sounds like there's so much to know about the proper medications for rapid ART, but the good news is that people with HIV have options and with the right team and the right timing, this would really help get patients quickly to a place where their HIV viral load is undetectable and subsequently untransmittable. We really hope you learned something new in these last couple of episodes about HIV treatment and the importance of rapid start. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.necaetc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you next time for the next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.